It's a story you need to hear to believe, then grab your popcorn because there is more. First things first. The prosecution has done a horrible job in this case. They have looked like fools. They've been reprimanded by the judge, and this was before everything that happened yesterday. Their, their, their witnesses have admitted that Kyle Rittenhouse didn't do anything to them until they pointed a gun at Kyle Rittenhouse. So why put him on the stand? They put him on the stand. I was like, this is crazy. I spoke to Guy Relford, the gun guy, Relford Law, and asked this question yesterday on the show, why would you do this? Well, I'll tell you, Tony, it was a surprise to me um, that he took the stand today. But I can tell you exactly what the equation is, the balancing process that a defense lawyer goes through in making that decision. In a self-defense case, your your client, the defendant, is much more likely to be a necessary witness uh, for this reason. And that is the, the, the defense of self-defense requires two things. It requires a subjective belief, that is, what is actually in your head, that force, in this case deadly force, is necessary to prevent serious bodily injury or death. So you have to actually have that subjective belief in your head. Secondly, that subjective belief belief has to be objectively reasonable. In other words, would a hypothetical reasonable person have had the same belief under the same circumstances? It's it's often difficult for a defense lawyer to be confident that the jury's going to know what was in his client's head unless the client tells them. Um, however, competing against that factor is that notwithstanding the fact that subjective belief in the mind of your client is very relevant, in fact, is critical in a self-defense case, the state still has the burden of proving beyond a reasonable doubt that a person did not act in self-defense. And here, the prosecution has been absolutely miserable uh, in its case in chief in disproving the claim of self-defense. Virtually every witness they put on on that issue actually fortified uh, the defense's position on self-defense. So going into the into the defendant's case in chief, I really felt like they were way ahead. The prosecutor had clearly not met its burden. So it is a surprise to me that Rittenhouse is on the stand. The only way you can justify it, and I, I won't put myself in the in the shoes of these lawyers, is, is if they've done a, a lot of very extensive preparation with him and talking with him, and they're confident that the downside, that is, he's going to say something on cross-examination that dramatically hurts him and shifts the tide, um, the downside um, does in this case is so minimal because they're confident in him as a witness that they're going for that positive side, which is to establish what his subjective beliefs were in the, in, in, in under the circumstances. And secondly, if he's a likable person, and even the more he's cross-examined, he just comes across as somebody that the the, the jury wants to to vote in favor of. Now, it was a risk. I think it's insane, but it paid off. The assistant district attorney, Thomas Binger, B-I-N-G-E-R, or is it Binger? It doesn't matter. You couldn't come off looking worse. You couldn't come off looking more ridiculous. You couldn't come off being any sillier. It, it It was remarkable. To to watch this guy, uh, you, if you were listening to the show yesterday, we were we were covering it live. It was it was unreal to witness 
this this lawyer, this this prosecutor in action. I, I, if I could just respond to that briefly, Your Honor, I was about to say, I did not interpret your ruling as an absolute. We, we've had three state motions in the past. There was one in which we asked the court to introduce evidence that the defendant was at Pudgy's Bar with the Proud Boys, and you were clear that is not coming in. There was, you know, don't get into other subjects. Get it. Get, come on. What you're telling me, you're an experienced trial attorney, and you're telling me that when the judge says, I'm excluding this, you just to take it upon yourself to put it in because you think that you've found a way around it? Come on. If I may finish, Your Honor, I was about to say, your, your ruling on our three motions and uh, other acts motions was there were some gradations that, were, that you were clear that some things were absolutely out, and then you left the door open on other things. Uh, you know. So I, I, I saw that distinction, and I thought to myself, clearly I know this is out, but you left the door open on other things. So I didn't interpret your ruling as this is absolutely never coming in, and I have practiced before you, Your Honor. I have filed other motions, motions before you. Your practice oftentimes is to reserve ruling on those until you see the evidence. And I think you even said something to that effect at our motion. I undoubtedly did. So I thought this is my good faith explanation to you. And if you want to yell at me, you can. My good faith feeling this morning after watching that testimony was you had left the door open a little bit. Now we had something new and I was going to probe it. I don't believe you. Damn! I don't believe you. I mean, that's, it's brutal. And people are angry at the judge. The Washington Post put out a whole hit piece on the judge. It's incredible. But let's get to the people who are angry. Let's get to the people who don't believe in the law. You see, you don't have to like Kyle Rittenhouse. I don't. I don't like the dude. I wouldn't have gone. It was, it's weird. But he was 17 and stupid. And now he's 18 and a half stupid. And you can disagree with me on that. What does it matter? That's not the part that matters. Yet that is desperately what the left wants to matter. Hakeem Jeffries, congressman from New York, lock up Kyle Rittenhouse and throw away the key. This is a guy who wants to end mass incarceration. But for Kyle Rittenhouse, he should be locked up and the key thrown away. Then there is the take... Uh, of this, what people could do with anger about the Rittenhouse trial is advocate for a law that says if you bring a weapon to a public place where you know violence is basically guaranteed, you lose any self-defense grounds. You mean if I uh, have my carry weapon in downtown Indianapolis, I could lose self-defense grounds? Because as you know, downtown Indianapolis is a place where violence is pretty much basically guaranteed. Can you imagine such a thing? And by the way, we should also take a look at violence is basically guaranteed. Why isn't anybody doing something about that? Why aren't we focused on that? Who's causing these acts of violence? Hmm. People have responded with some of the most radical takes. Kyle Rittenhouse is a worthless piece of blank who belongs to rot behind bars for the rest of his miserable blanking life. That's a tweet. I responded to that tweet by saying this is what happens when people think their emotions are more important than laws and facts. And that's Twitter, and that's uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, and that's Anna Navarro of CNN, and that's a whole host of people. Ignorant, awful, terrible people. 
If you want to know why I'm not a progressive, it's because they believe that their emotions should rule, not the laws and not facts. If you want to know why I will never be a part of that, it's because what they believe is beyond violent, beyond hateful, and not abusive to the soul, removing, erasing of the soul. No belief, no faith in the American people. Only a faith in their emotions and what they feel at the second. These people should not be allowed to be in charge of anything. And claiming that somebody shouldn't be allowed a trial and they should just be in jail for the rest of their life, if that doesn't get you banned from Twitter, then holy hell, Twitter doesn't have any standards at all.